Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Shall we bow our heads down in prayer before we start? Father, we just want to thank you so much for the gift of life this morning. We thank you that we can come into your presence just as we are. It's not by our might, by our strength, or by anything that we have done, but it's by your grace and by your mercy that we are here this morning. So Lord, we just want to surrender ourselves to you this morning. We want to empty ourselves this morning, oh God, so you can fill us anew with your Holy Spirit. Father, let us not leave here without a seed being planted in our lives, O God. Father, it is you that we seek this morning. So our prayer this morning is that you have your way amongst us. Let your Holy Spirit freely flow in this place, O God, so your perfect will will be done. We thank you so much, Father. Have your way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Good morning. If you're new here, we welcome you, and we pray that you'll be blessed this morning. God is good. This morning, before I start, I'll tell you what happened. I got a call from... Pastor Robson, I was away, and he said, will you be able to preach on 30th? And I said, yes. So I planned my sermon, everything. But you know how the Holy Spirit works. He turned the whole thing upside down and the right way up. What I wrote was thrown to the side. And everywhere I went, there was one word that kept on repeating itself. I say hello to somebody, how are you? And the person will respond, I'm well by his grace. I said, how are you? By his grace. So I started to read. And I was going through the Bible, going through the epistles by Paul. And one word that was common throughout Paul's epistles was the word grace. He started almost all his epistles with grace and ended every single one with grace. May the grace of our Lord, may the grace of our Lord, may every single one of his epistles bearing just one, which is Hebrew. So I said, okay, Lord, are you telling me something? So I started searching, searching for the meaning of grace. So this morning, I would endeavor to share with you what I found out about the word grace. Hallelujah. 
I'm sure we've all used that word before. If somebody asks you, how are you? I'm well by his grace. What is the meaning of this word? And how significant is it to you and I as a Christian? I will endeavor by the Holy Spirit, I can't do it by myself, to show us what this word means in the Bible. I'm just not going to say it. We have to reference what it says in the Bible and how it is used in the Bible. So you're going to journey with me throughout the Bible to find out the meaning of the word grace. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Good. Have you all got your Bibles or your phones? Yes, because we'll be going back and forth into the word. Hallelujah. So what is the definition of the word grace? The word grace in Greek means charis. And this means that which gives you joy and pleasure. That which gives you joy and pleasure. Okay, so how is this used in the New Testament? That which gives you joy and pleasure is used in the New Testament regarding speech. Our speech. Let us see what the Bible says concerning speech. The words of Jesus were spoken with grace. That is in Luke 4.22. If you just open that and then when you're done, just wave. Luke 4.22. It says, all spoke. What version have you got? NIV? Are you there? Luke 4.22, can somebody read out for me? We'll be doing this together. Mm -hmm. Yes. The words of Jesus were gracious words. They brought joy, pleasure to anyone who listened to it. My question this morning is that, are our words bringing dignity, honor to our Lord Jesus Christ? Are the words that come out of our mouth respectful? Are we thoughtful about what we say and how we say it? Are we polite? Do our speech elevate Jesus Christ? Grace, number one. Open with me again to Ephesians 4.29. Let's see what it says. 
Ephesians 4.29. Are we all there? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Hallelujah. Our words are supposed to be gracious as Christians. So the first definition is that which gives you joy and pleasure. Are our words bringing joy to people as Christians? Yes or no? Let us think about it. Hallelujah. The second definition when I started to look into the New Testament was goodwill, kindness, and favor. Goodwill, kindness, and favor. It is used in this way about how Jesus died on the cross for us. Though we were sinners, he died for us. It is his grace and his love for us that made him die on the cross. So, his loving kindness is described as the master towards his inferior servants. This is how it is used in the New Testament. Yeah, grace is used in the New Testament as goodwill and loving kindness in this way. This is why grace is usually described as unmerited favor. Unmerited favor is God dying for us when he didn't have to. He doesn't owe us anything, but he did it out of love. It was grace. It was grace of his mercy, his mercy and love. That is why he freely went on the cross for you and I. That is why it is described as unmerited favor. Say I come in this morning and I go to my sister Irene, sorry, I'm going to have to use you. You're facing me. And I give her an envelope. And in that envelope, there's a car key. And the car key belongs to a car which is one of the most expensive cars in the world. I don't know what it is. Don't ask me the name. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah? And then I give it to her. She'll be wondering. Why? She'll be wondering, what did I do to this woman for her to come and give me this? She'll be wondering in her mind, why is Mariette giving me a key to the most expensive car and asking me to take it? She'll be wondering what she did for her to deserve that. Yes or no? Yes. But God died for us, though we were sinners. That is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Somebody described grace to me as God's 
riches at Christ's expense. And that encapsulates everything. Amen. Another way that grace was used in the Bible, in the New Testament, is a spiritual state or condition in which one enjoys God's state, God's favor. It's a spiritual state or condition in which one enjoys God's favor. That is why, is the reason why when somebody asks you, oh, my brother, how are you? You say, by his grace, I am well. Yes or no? By his grace, I feel better. By his grace, I will make it. By his grace, that is a spiritual state or condition where you enjoy God's unmerited favor. So you live in his grace. Hallelujah. And I'm a testimony to that. I'm a testimony to God's grace. God's grace in my life. I'm here. I was saved by grace. I live by grace. Grace has sustained me. And grace will lead me on. It's his grace. God's grace is awesome. So when, as Christians, we are encouraged to live for something else beyond ourselves. When you start living in God's grace, you start living beyond yourself. You know you are aiming for something that is higher, something that is higher than yourself, that is God. You live in his grace. Hallelujah. The next thing I found out concerning grace in the New Testament was is defined as an expression of thanksgiving. An expression of thanksgiving. If you live in God's grace, you are thankful. It's an expression of God's favor. Hallelujah. Let us read um, first, um, first Timothy verses 1. First, first Timothy one twelve. Anybody there? Yes. Amen. Grace is used in this way as being thankful. That's thanks. Thank you. And that is why before you eat a meal, you are called to say what? Grace. When somebody says, shall we say grace? 
That is what it means, that you're being thankful of God's blessing, thanksgiving, and his benediction. That is what it means. So the first definition, let me just cap on that. The first definition is that which gives you joy, pleasure, and delight. And it's used in the New Testament, especially when it comes to our speech. The second definition is goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. That is what we see as unmerited favor. That's grace. The third is when we live in a spiritual condition in which one enjoys God's grace and favor. Yeah, that is why we say, by his grace. By his grace, I'm well. By his grace, I stand before you. Then we realize that we are not living by ourselves. We are living in, beyond ourselves. By his grace. Amen. Amen. The third, fourth, is an expression of gratitude, that is, when we say grace, when we say thank you to God. So, if these are the four definitions of grace used in the New Testament, what's that got to do with me as a Christian? What has grace got to do with me as a Christian? Have you ever thought of that? God's grace. Grace and the Christian. And so, what has that got to do with us? Let me tell you the first one. We are saved by grace. Hallelujah. It's not by anything that we have done. We were saved by grace. Let me not say, let's go to the word to confirm that. Ephesians 2. Let's read from verses 2 to 8. Are you all there? Okay. Salvation is the first and foremost. That is, we are saved by grace. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit, who is now working in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, 
who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression, it was by grace. It was by grace you have been saved. Our first call is salvation. We were saved by grace. Hallelujah. It's not by anything that you and I did. We are so undeserving of God's grace. Unmerited favor. Salvation. But, no matter what God calls upon you to do, there are three things that you require, as a matter of fact, four, to receive God's grace. Who can guess what some of it may be? You have to believe, number one, that Jesus Christ and our Lord and Savior, we have to repent of our sins. Yes? We have to confess Jesus Christ. And four, we have to be baptized to openly declare that he is our Lord and Savior. And we've been born again by his Spirit. Hallelujah. So, salvation is free. Salvation came to us through grace. It's got nothing to do with what we'll do. We can do all that we want. We can be the most good. Nothing will end us salvation. So as the Christian, the first and foremost thing you need to understand that you and I and everyone here who calls himself a Christian is saved by grace. Amen. Okay, so now we are saved by grace. What do we have to do? To remain in that grace. Some people would argue that, oh, well, if I'm saved by grace and it's free, I can do whatever I want to do. No. We have to remain in grace. And how do we remain in this grace? It requires us to live holy. Amen. If it wasn't necessary for us to try and live holy, no one can live holy without God's help. Don't get me wrong. We need God's help every single day. When you wake up, it's by grace. When you roll yourself out of your bed, it's by grace. But it is your responsibility to do as much as you can by the help of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. If it wasn't necessary, Paul will not, will not write Grace of God 
teaches us to. Open with me to Titus. Titus 2. And we're going to be reading from verses 11 to 13. Are we all there? Okay. So, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worthily passion, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, God's grace requires us to live holy. But how can we live holy? What are some of the things that we can do? What are some of the things that God has left us to enable us to live in that grace? His word. His Holy Spirit. Amen. And as we try to live in that grace, he, Paul continues to explain why Jesus in grace gave himself for us. If we stick to Titus and we read from um, 2 to 14, it continues by saying, let me, let me just... Yeah. It requires us to live from verses 11 to 13. We've read 11 already. We've read up to, four. let's continue from 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So, we live by grace. We remain in grace by living holy. The reason why we are supposed to live in grace is because God has died on the cross for us and set us aside for his good works. Amen. So, the unmerited favor of God, which is his grace, is not an excuse for any one of us to keep on going back to the same old thing and say, oh, I'm sorry, God, then you go back and do the same old thing, and then you come and say, oh, I'm sorry, God, and then you go back and do the same old thing. When you do that, my brother and my sister, you're bringing the wrath of God upon yourself. Hallelujah. Sometimes we don't want to hear that, but it is the truth. 
It is the truth. Amen. He is the forgiving God. He is the compassionate God. But don't take him for granted. Don't take what he did on the cross for granted. Hallelujah. So, like I said, holy living requires God's grace. It requires God's grace. And for us, he says, we cannot do it without him. Philippians tells us he works in us to do his good will. Philippians continues to say, by his strength, we can do all the things that he desires us to do. It's not by my power or anything that I can do. It's by God's strength that we can able, we'll be able to live holy lives. Hallelujah. Paul continues to warn us about something. He said, we must grow in grace. We have to grow in grace. We have to grow in grace. Let's open Second Peter and see what it says. Second Peter 3, we'll read from verse 17. Are we all there? Second Peter 3. We'll read from verse 17. 17 to 18. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from the secure position. That position is the position of grace. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. We are to grow in grace. So how do we grow in this wonderful grace? How? It's heeding the word of God. It's pointless reading and hearing the word if we do not heed to the word of God. The word of God says, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. How do we draw close to Jesus Christ? Through his word, through obedience, through prayer. Prayer is a communication between you and God. Nobody else. When you go on your knees and pray, you're talking to God. You're communicating to God. 
and he reveals himself to you through his word. Because his word is life. God's word is life. And when we pray, we are in direct communion with him. He died so he can intercede for us. He's our intercessor to the Holy God. So it's pointless we coming into church every single Sunday and hearing the word of God, but not doing what the word of God has asked us to do. We'll be wasting our time. We'll be mocking the spirit of God. Because his word is like a two-edged sword. It cuts through anything that is not of him. So if you claim that you are a child of God, then if you started crawling, you should be walking. You don't remain where you are by his grace. You grow in the knowledge of God. You become more and more like Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you you have to strive to be like him. To be like him. What's the point in me coming to church and maybe before I became a Christian, I was effing and blinding everywhere. And then I come into church and I go out and I effing blind. Hello? What's the change? I may as well not come into church. I may as well not know God. Because his word is transforming. It changes. You can't be a Christian. And you can't know God without his word changing you. I don't care what you say. Because his word is life. His word is life. Amen. So we are encouraged to grow in grace. So, my question is, can we receive God's grace in vain? Can we? Yes. We are not supposed to, but sometimes we do. We receive God's grace sometimes in vain. We're not supposed to. Go into his word. Let us find out where the warning is. Amen. Second Corinthians. Let's look at Second Corinthians. Six.
Are we all there? Okay. Okay, Second Corinthians warns us. As God's fellow workers, we are urged, I we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We can receive God's grace in vain. That's why he's warning us not to. What other ways can we receive God's grace in vain? What are, the, what are some of the ways that we can receive God's grace in vain? Let's look at Galatians. Galatians 5.4 If we seek to justify by the systems of salvation, then we are seeking God's grace in vain. If we think we can work out, it's because of what we do, that's why we have God's grace or salvation, then we are seeking his grace in vain. Hallelujah. Let us read Galatians 5.4. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from your grace. It is by grace that you stand. It is by grace that you're here. You cannot justify anything that you do if not for grace. Don't think it is your right to wake up in the morning. It is by grace. Hallelujah. And by using another way that we can receive God's grace in vain is by making excuses. Jude warns us. Let's read Jude 4. Jude 4. If you're there, just tell me. Okay. 
anybody there? Can any, someone read it for me, Jude 4? Yeah? It's fine. Amen. Amen. Using God's grace as an excuse for ungodly behavior. Then the last one. You can receive God's grace in vain. Let's let's go to Hebrews. Let's stay with Paul. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews 10. Let's go to Hebrews and see. Let's read from 26 to 31. Hebrews 10. 26 to 31. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think those deserve to be punished who have trampled the Son of God underfoot, who have treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who have insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Because why? If we willfully continue to sin, then we should expect a fearful judgment. Why? Because we have trampled on the Son of God. 
and have counted his sacrifice on the blood as useless. As complete useless. And what else? We are insulting the spirit of grace. If you willfully keep on sinning, you will face God's judgment. I'm sorry, but it's not I who said it. It's the word of God. So we have to endeavor to stay in the word, to be obedient, to live in grace. And we cannot do it by ourselves. God knows that we shall fall short of his glory every single day. That's why he left us with the Holy Spirit. That's why he left us with his word. To mold us, to break us, to fill us anew. Don't take for granted the grace of God. Don't. Because you wouldn't want to face a living God. He's not dead. He's alive. He's not in one grave somewhere. He's alive and he's seated on the right hand of the Father. And he's warned us. So don't think that you're stealing today, tomorrow you steal, the day after you steal, sorry God, and then Thursday you steal, Wednesday you steal, sorry God. You keep on doing the same old thing. You face God's judgment. You will. I may be very harsh this morning, but that's the reality. That's the truth. And I'm not going to dilute it in any way. It is the truth. God's word is changing. And I pray that each one of us in here will endeavor not to take God's grace for granted. Amen. So, let me conclude. I can go on and on and on and on, but I think I need to start drawing this to a close. Is it worth receiving God's grace in vain? Is it worth receiving his grace at all? Yes. Grace of God. Hallelujah. Hebrews, let us close with Hebrews. Hebrews says, Hebrews twelve fifteen says, diligently list anyone fall short of the grace of God. It continues to say, Let us by grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and God-fearing. Hebrews twelve twenty-eight. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Hebrews 13, 9. 
May the grace of God be with you all. Hebrews 13.25 There are so many scriptures which highlight God's grace in the Bible. And I can give you a few. You can go back and read it, look upon it, Acts 20:23, Romans 11:6, Second Timothy 1:9, Romans 5:21, Romans 11 verse 6. God is a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He loves us. He saved us, though we did not deserve it. I don't think I've done anything. There's nothing I can do that can compare to what God did on the cross for you and I. We were undeserving of that grace and mercy. But he did die for us. And he has extended that grace to all of us. All he's asking is that we live in that grace. We should live holy lives. We should endeavor to do the things that are right by God, not by man. There's too much politics out there. There's too much out there in the world which does not conform to the word of God. If we are to live in grace, then the only thing that we have is Jesus. The only thing that we have is his Holy Spirit. The only thing that we have is his blood. And nothing can change that. Nothing can change the fact that you and I were saved by grace. There's nothing I can do to end that salvation. So I encourage each and every one of us that we walk in his grace, we walk in his love, that we are respectful and thankful of the sacrifice on the cross. That we shouldn't take God's grace in vain. We shouldn't take what he did on the cross in vain. He didn't have to. He didn't have to leave where he was to come and die, to walk amongst us and be brutally killed like that. He didn't have to. It was love for you and I. 
So please, my brother and my sister, myself included, I'm no exception. I'm far from holy. Trust me. Let us endeavor to walk in his grace. Let us try as hard as we can to heed God's word. Let us try as hard as we can not to, and I say not to, and again not to, put the work of the Holy Spirit in vain. Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God himself. So please, let's heed God's word. Let's draw close to him in prayer. Let's have a relationship with God. His word is transforming. And God uses so many ways to change people. But the way sometimes we expect God to change us, we have an expectation of how we want God to do things. But God does things differently. I remember praying to God, God, please give me patience to deal with things. God did not just wake up one morning and change me to a patient person. No. He threw me into a deep end where I was dealing with challenging children and behavior. What do you do? God was teaching me patience. But I thought when I went on my knees and I prayed, Gradually, I'll be patient. No. Sometimes your test will become your testimony. And your mess will become your message. So, my brother and my sister, if you're going through a challenge, God says, my grace is sufficient. Whatever you're going through, his grace, my grace is enough for you. Whatever, God is more than enough. There's enough of God's grace to go around the world, let alone in this room. So please, let us not Make God's grace in vain. Amen. Shall we bow our heads down and pray? Almighty God, we thank you so much. We thank you that you're such a wonderful God. We 
that you've made your grace available to all of us. We thank you that, oh God, by your grace you saved us. You died for us because you loved us. That you said your grace is sufficient. And in our weakness, we are made strong. So Father, we just want to thank you so much. We just want to give you all the praise and the glory. Oh Father, let the reason for our, for our praise be your grace this morning, O oh God, and always. For your grace is sufficient, God. Help us, Lord. Help us. We need you. We need you, O oh God. We can't do this by ourselves, O oh God. We pray, Almighty God, that you help us to heed your word, no matter how challenging some of it may be. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.